BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Amisha Gormley. We're two girls obsessed with one thing, beauty. beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We're calling on our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. With a drink in hand. Definitely with a drink in hand. (laughs) You're listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims. All right, Amisha, I know you know this, but I have gotten back into therapy. And I have to say, to that point, I don't know why I ever stopped. I think therapy is amazing, and I think more people should do it. And lots of people are afraid of it. Well, you know, it's that thing. It's like, okay, you have a therapy appointment. You're like, I don't need it. I don't need it. You get on with your therapist, and you're like, why am I doing this? You can feel indulgent. It can feel indulgent, but you get on and then you like literally can't stop talking. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a weird like you realize how much you needed it. You realize how much you needed it, which brings us to today's dream duo who we have been so excited to sit down. It's it's a new year. It's a new us, same us, but a new us. And we are so happy to have Emily Beerley and Jennifer Chaikin, a.k.a. We love their name. The Shrink Chicks. (laughs) Together, they created the therapy group, and they pride themselves on not being your typical therapy practice. They've designed and created an environment unlike negative therapy encounters that they've both experienced along the way. They've strived to form something new, nothing clinical and disingenuous. Because after all, therapy is meant to feel warm and inviting, which brings us to the Shrink Chicks. Their podcast is incredible. It does just that. Every week they cover new topics, breaking family patterns to accepting change, friendship breakups, which are very painful. We are so happy to have you, Jennifer and Emily. And, you know, we're we're really going to talk about and get into therapy is not a dirty word. It's not. No. It's not. And we want to really hone in on how to pull yourself out of a rut, detox your life, we have both had a crazy 2022, which we'll go into a little bit later, but like the rug pulled out from underneath us very separately, but we've been, you know, each other's little shrink in our own ways. But can you start by telling us a little bit about your background? Because you're now somewhat the celebrity shrink chicks <laughs> and that we would love to know kind of that journey and how... Because therapy's been around for a long time, ladies. And you guys have kind of burst onto the scene in this really amazing and just 
endearing way and built this incredible community? You know, I think there's something really interesting that a lot of people got into therapy. If you're starting at a young age, sometimes it's done as like a threat from someone else. Like, like, oh God, you're really struggling so much in school. I'm going to send you to therapy. Or like, you know, our marriage is really not going well. I guess we better go talk to someone. And so this idea that like that, that further increases stigma, right? So the cool thing about like modern therapy, 2023 therapy, is that like, what's it like to truly have a relationship with your therapist? We're not just right, just the same way. Like, if you have a relationship with your doctor, you're going to feel more comfortable to go in and talk about everything that's happening. Everything, right? If I feel comfortable with someone, I can open up, I can see things differently. And that's really the importance behind everything. All the years that I was working and in a trailer, I swear to God, I would always say, like, I would sit down and my hair and makeup. I mean, they knew every single they they knew more or just as much as my BFF over there, if not more, like they would, we would talk, we would work through problems. We would, you know, it's, it's interesting how you have those deep connections. And I think I have those with my doctors and I, and so does Emisha. We both lost our moms in the past, you know, decade. And it is incredible when you really feel comfortable, how everything just starts rolling out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that there's to me, I think therapy can fall into two categories. Sometimes people just need like a safe space to just unload. And I don't need you to judge me. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I just need you to listen. And I think sometimes that's like one outlet for it. And then other times I think we have a friend who will go unnamed who goes to you guys. And she actually I was stressing out about a work thing. And she said to me, she goes, something I learned in therapy is okay, this is your problem. So now you've told me and you're stressing about it. But instead of stressing and spiraling, you need to think of your plan. And what's your plan going to be if that happens? So why don't you focus on that? And then that takes the stress off of what you're stressing about. So it was actually interesting. And she said, she's like, therapy gives you those tools. She was like, you don't need to feel like you're, you know, being indulgent and like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and talk. So it can be those two different things. And I think that can be a real misnomer when it comes to therapy is that, okay, do I only go and sit there on the couch and I talk about myself? No, yes, you can. But you can also go there and be given these incredible tools. So I think that's something that I know our listeners and I would love to learn more about personally. Yeah. How did first I have to know, like, how did the two of you meet? It's a great story. So <laughs> we met you were in, in therapy together. No, I'm we were. Can you imagine? Yes, we were. We went to the same grad school. We were in grad school together. I went into grad school. I'm pretty introverted. I was like, I'm going to get through this. I'll become a therapist. I make friends great. If not, and then extroverted Emily comes along and just latches latches on to me, which was the best thing that ever happened to the both of us because we very much had the same ideas around therapy. We were being taught kind of this old world way of doing therapy, which is pretty much being a blank slate. And we very much, we, we've heard, you know, one of the statistics that we know is that you make the most success in therapy. The greatest predictor of therapeutic success is based on the relationship that you build with your therapist. Interesting. And so we always talked through how can you really build a relationship with your client if you're a blank slate, if you don't feel like you can be your authentic self. 
So Emily and I really came at this model of therapy in that way, which was very different from our experiences in in going to therapy. And it's really, I think, transformed our practice a lot. And so anyway, that's how we met. And then we really just had the same values and we grew from there. The interesting part is, right, like if we talk about the relationships are incredibly healing. You talked about your hair and makeup, right? Like that is a legit healing relationship. We believe therapy is anything that works. I'm not gatekeeping it. I want you to heal in whatever way works for you. I think we are all so different from one another. I love the way you just say it, you know, because sometimes when you think of therapy, you're like, all right, I must be crazy. (laughs) So I'm going to go to therapy. And that's just not what you're saying. You're saying that these deep relationships that you're building, what you get out of that, what you, that bond you make, that can also be therapy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a lot of what we try to break down, that there has been this idea of it, in the past of if you're going to therapy, right, you, there must be something so wrong. But in the end, as human beings, we deal with a lot. You know, we're going through a lot. We're processing a lot. It is a lot to to take on on our own. And, you know, we have ups and downs in our lives because we're human, because life is hard. And so that's a lot of our mission is just to talk about the fact that therapy can be for everyone. Different types of therapy can be for everyone. And the interesting part is we hear it the most from like well-off women, right? Women that have some privilege in their life and work hard and love their families and have these relationships. And they come in and they sit on their couch every single week and they're like, oh, but I'm so lucky. But, but I shouldn't be saying any of this because I'm so lucky and I'm so privileged. And that's great to acknowledge that, but it doesn't mean you don't also deserve support, right? At any stage, you do not have to be in complete full-blown crisis to have this happen. What is it like early on in a relationship to ask for help? If you guys haven't yet listened to our episode from last week, you're not going to want to miss it. We sat down with the founders of Starla Wines, Don Marie and Jamie Coulter, to talk all things non-alcoholic beverages, sober curiosity. What does that mean? You're going to find out drinking less and how it makes us feel. Really, all of these things we really delved in. They walked us through how Starla Wines is, is low-cal and tastes so good, but there's really also interesting science behind it. And on that note, if you didn't already know, Starla has the lowest calorie, lowest sugar, and lowest carb non-alcoholic wine of any wine on the market. It's pretty cool. They've won numerous global wine competition awards. And beyond the fact that I love their wine, which we'll get more into in a second, I really love that they're female-founded, focused, and formulated. Now, a little fun fact about Dry January. Two out of five adults are currently participating. Emisha and I, well, we're doing our best. But in all seriousness, Starla is just like a real wine brand, and they have three amazing different blends I'm going to tell you a little bit about. First, they have, think sumptuous, sweet, dark cherry, blackberry, bergamot, black pepper with calming French lavender. Doesn't that sound so delicious? It's bold, it's dried, it reminds me of a Cabernet. Then you have their sparkling rosé, which I'm obsessed with. Think bright botanicals, strawberry blossom, citrus lychee, sweet gardenia. Lastly, Sauvignon Blanc. Everybody loves a little Sauvignon Blanc. Think light, crispy, little notes of wild honeysuckle, rosemary, pear, lemon balm, finished with a sultry white peach blossom. It's delicious. It tastes good. It tastes just like Sauvignon Blanc. The best part, all California grown and made. Now that's 
how we like it. I'm so excited for you guys to try Starla Wines. It's never too late for dry January. Just cutting back a little bit of alcohol in general. Use code LIPSTICK20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. That's LIPSTICK20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Visit StarlaWines.com for more information. I'm Kat Sadler, and it sure is a beautiful day. After such a bleak year, it's time for some joy, and I cannot wait for you to hear my fresh and fun new show. I crack open about mom life, relationships, wellness, and beauty, all the things. Plus, I have provocative conversations with some of the most fascinating and famous faces in pop culture. I'm here to lift you up and make you think. Check out It Sure Is a Beautiful Day with me and you every Tuesday. I I think we're not used to asking for help. I really, I mean that in a, I pride myself on, I think my mother would be proud of both of us and her mother as well. Like we pride ourselves on, we can make shit happen. I mean, we can pull it together. We can, I mean, I got off of a Zoom to run to school to give cupcakes, read a book and was back on the Zoom in 20 minutes. No shit. I can have 17 part of my businesses with 17 different people asking me 17 different things with one part of my brain over here, another part of my brain being like, did they do the homework? Are they dressed? Are they there? I mean, I literally, I think we have, you know, I, I feel as my mother would say, I'm a shit slinger. Like I can pull it together. I can get shit done. I can head buried down. I can answer you, 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 and you. But But we still need help. But then there comes a point when I start feeling, even I think this week, I'm like, I'm, I'm part of my cold. I have a little bit of a sinus is almost that I'm like, I can't answer any more questions. I'm run down. I'm, I'm, everyone's taken a little bit we've had a lot of sickness in the family lately this past 10 days, but you feel, you, you feel it when, or you acknowledge it, shall I say, when you're, I'm at my tipping point. What we want is for people to have those skills before you hit the tipping point. So you are right. I spent this morning, I had saw two clients this morning, but before that I had to make sure I had one very specific tiger that had to go to school with my one child. And, but don't worry, the tiger was way more important than anything else that was going on <laughs> than to run here and to get on the Zoom, right? So like the reality is, is to wear 1 million hats a day. And that's the coolest thing about modern women, right? Like we are superheroes. I truly will sit by that moms and modern women are the most badass people I could ever imagine. And what we want to prevent is for you to hit a wall. When you go on autopilot, eventually it's going to crash, right? So to give people skills to practice before we hit the breakdown. Let's talk about that. What are some of the skills that you suggest? So one of the things that we talk about a lot is when like, how do you actually know yourself and ground within and align with yourself? Are my insides matching my outsides? So I'm functioning day to day. I got to my meetings. I got to the reading. I brought the cupcakes and I did all of these things inside do I actually feel like I can't breathe? Do I actually feel like my knuckles are tense, right? So like this thing that I'm presenting to the world, am I slowing it down enough to realign myself every single day? Every single day, I want you to check in with yourself. How am I actually doing? And if I struggle to identify those feelings, 
maybe I have to check in with my body first of where those feelings are living. And if there's an imbalance, what do you suggest people do? Like, so say I'm like, oh, crap, the outside isn't matching the inside. What do I do? So as women, we have been so socialized to think about other people and their feelings and what's going on for them. So the process of being able to know when you've hit that point and also what you need in those moments. Everyone is different in terms of what they need to recharge, right? So for me, I need time to myself. I need to be separate from everyone else. I need to create emotional boundaries. I need to be able to center myself. And so to proactively create that for yourself before you hit that breaking point. But the only way to be able to do that is to know what you specifically as a person needs, which might be very different than what your friend needs or what someone else needs. So because we have been socialized to think about what everyone else needs or how everyone else is feeling, make sure to take care of everyone else, of the kids, of the family, it's so much harder to even know what am I feeling right now and how do I take care of myself? What does that look like? So when you sit down with a therapist, you get to figure that out. Sometimes we don't even know. I think we don't. I, I sometimes I'm like, I, yeah. I don't even know. Like right? I sat down with Bronwyn last week. I was like, I'm falling apart. It doesn't seem like, but everybody's down. My businesses are so in flux and I don't even know how to unpack it to be able to try to figure out how to, to just, because sometimes I feel like if I drop the ball, like it's all going to fall apart. Right. So it's, it's a, and listen, the ball has been dropped. So, and everything didn't fall apart, which I think also says something, but it's definitely hard to to kind of even know what you need. Like lately I've been where I just really need good energy around me. Like I call myself, well, she calls me this. Sometimes I'm the cruise director. So I'm really good at planning shit. I'm really good at making shit happen. I'm the entertainment queen. Like I, but I'm also tired of playing that role. And I don't know if it's just life and things that have happened, but I don't know. I kind of just want to be on the cruise without being the director. And that's what I told my therapist lately. I love that you called it a role. I love that you didn't say it's that's who I am. You said, I'm tired of playing that role, which tells me that you have all these different parts of yourself and different roles to play at different times. So what would it be like to retire our typical role for the day? And so a great activity for this is what we call is opposite action. Usually what I would do is to wake up and take care of the kids and plan our thing for the day, send my text messages out, whatever my immediate thought is. And when you take the day off, after you've hit that, you say, whoa, there's too much in flux, too many things are moving. I need to take a day. That day is to practice all opposite action. Meaning if I would usually reach out to everyone, I'm going to ask you to put that phone away. If I would usually get on email first thing, I'm actually going to ask you to wait for a few hours. So what is the opposite of I would typically do to enter into a different role? Because I love the word role and not identity. I was going to mention too, you know, there's times in which roles are functional for us, right? We like pick up these roles at certain times. Sometimes they're survival for us. We learn these roles from early on in childhood or through times in which they were serving us. And what happens is we take those roles at a time in which they were once survival and we bring them into a different part of our life where they're no longer working for us. Mm -hmm. And so that's another question to ask yourself is like, where did I start to develop this role? How was it helpful for me at the time? 
And maybe it's no longer serving me now. Maybe things have changed. Maybe my life has changed. Maybe there's too much going on around me. I want someone to plan for me and take care of me and be the cruise director now. But some people are uncomfortable with that. I think some of our friends are like, well, I'm just so used to doing that. They're like, oh, wait, the cruise director, what do you mean you're not entertaining? Well, are you hiding or are you like doing something without? It's interesting in the past like year. I'm like, no, I, I'm, I, we're just at home on a Friday night. No, no one's here. Like we're not. Really? You're not having people over? No, no, we're just, we're just, we're going to kind of hang. You, you know what I'm saying by that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's interesting for sure, because I think people sometimes like to put you into a bucket and then you, you automatically assume that role. And when you try to break character, they're like, whoa, that is not who I thought you were. What happened? But I have a question because this is my, I'm going to be personal for a second. I tend to spiral. That is my personality. I'm a spiraler. But you're, you're really good at compartmentalizing. I'm very good at compartmentalizing. I can put things in boxes, but in I'm an only child. So I'm sure there's a lot to unpack with that one. But I I tend to internally, I'm I'm someone that like I'm very outgoing, very outgoing person. People are like, oh, she's so happy. She's da, 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 da. but I like process everything in my mind and I can spiral a shit out of something in my mind. So for someone like that, who isn't so good at like, by the time I actually will verbalize it to someone in my mind, I think I've kind of got it figured out. And I'm just looking for someone to kind of reassure me that like what I figured out is the right thing. What do you suggest to people? Because I do think that that's there are a lot of people that spiral like I have a lot of friends who spiral what do you what are some tips you give to patients or clients or however you refer to them as when when they tend to do that? Are there little hacks? Yes, we got a hack for <laughs> one. We call them our favorite people in the whole world, patient <laughs> clients to the best people you ever know. <laughs> but what I would say for my spiralers is that that's when we start chugging stories. Okay. When we spiral, we start to tell ourselves a story. That story is no one's going to show up if I don't take on this role, that no one was here for me, that I have to do this on my own. Whatever the story was that I continuously tell, I have to sit here and say, stop it. This is when inner monologue work is important for me to say, ha mm. I see it. And I check it with my body first. Maybe my palms feel like they have to be stretched out. Maybe my chest feels tight. Maybe I can feel it up here on my back. And so all of a sudden, there's a story in my spiral. And so if we were to stop the story and start editing, Mm. We start to edit the thing of like, okay, is this really true? Here's the thought. Here's a spiral I'm going down. Do I actually have facts and data? Because feelings are not facts. I love feelings. They're valid. They're important. I want us to look at them as information, but they are not facts. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. for me to take time to stop the spiral, and I would actually give yourself a visualization exercise of imagining a tornado going through, and then we have superpowers. We stop it with our superpowers and give ourselves a minute to ground, to retell. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that because, I mean, it could be something like when I was younger. So for those in their 20s that are listening and you're single and you're dating a guy. And I remember, I mean, sitting on Molly's couch and being like 25 years old and being like, oh, my God, I think he's at a club like cheating on me. And I had no reason to think that. Right. Like literally he just hadn't texted back in like an hour. And I was like, he's like making out with a girl. And like then in my head, I had this whole narrative that like whatever. 
But and that, I'm like, you're fucking crazy. And, you, and she'd be like, you're nuts. <laughs> and then like, literally, like, I'd get a text and you'd be like, I'm at home past. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was, you you can you build legitimately this. build a fairy tale out of something. And yes. then as you get older, it'll be like, I remember like, I was trying to get a client and I hadn't heard back. And I was like, oh my God, they've, I've had this like entire like in story in my head that they've moved on and they hired a different person and da, da, da. And then the woman wrote back and she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, we, we, we lost funding on something. It, anyhow, point being, it always ended up working out, but I had a very elaborate <laughs> story that was never going to yeah. be the case in my head. So, and I think that happens to a, a lot of people very often, you know? And, it does. And you internalize a, it, it's 10 times worse. It eats at you. Yeah. And I think it's in a lot of ways, it's our mind's way of trying to take control of something that's out of our control. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yes. So like in the end, if that guy was cheating on you, even though he wasn't, that was completely out of your control. Right. So the totally. way we spiral on things that we don't actually have control over, but our mind is saying, okay, maybe if I think about this more, it will give me this false sense of control. When in reality, we don't have control over that situation if that woman never got back to you or said she was working with totally. you, right? No control over that in the end. And so I would also say, what's underneath that fear, mm-hmm. right? Is it the fear of I'm going to be abandoned? I'm rejected. Mm-hmm. I'm there's a, there's a fear of, okay, there's something that might happen. And that spiraling is our mind trying to protect ourselves. I never thought of it from, that way. Yeah. yeah. So there's like a deeper, deeper meaning to it. Yeah. We're, tr- we're trying to make everything okay. Yeah. You're trying to normalize it. You're trying to be like, okay, well, if this happens, then I- I'm, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but again, it goes back to, well, are you going to be okay if he leaves you or yeah. you're abandoned or you're left alone yeah. or. Yeah. You guys know well by now that I love I love Array. I love what they stand for and I love their products. I feel lucky to be able to share brands like these with you. And it's because of these partnerships that we are able to bring you such amazing content free of charge on Lipstick on the Rim. So let's get into it. Array was founded on a simple principle to help women feel their best. Formulated by naturopathic doctors, they created a 100% natural supplement with real results. Array's product line is comprised of three products. We've got bloat, calm, and sleep alchemy capsules to help solve everyday problems that women constantly deal with. You guys know what they mean. Hint, hint, bloat, anxiety, insomnia. Ever heard of those? I want to specifically talk about the bloat capsule, which is a blend of five herb and one fruit-based digestive enzyme that targets bloat so you can feel relief quickly. This capsule addresses all possible causes of bloating, reducing heartburn, speeding up the breakdown of food and gas prevention. I take two, sometimes three bloat capsules right after I finish eating. And honestly, it doesn't matter what it is, healthy or not, bloating can sneak up on us even if we've opted for kale. In fact, sometimes bloating can be worse with a food like kale, which is harder for the body to break down and digest. These are designed to be taken as needed, and I find I just carry them with me at all times. I'm prepared no matter what I've eaten or where I am. Laxative-free, which is very important, you guys. Vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, filler-free, nut-free, cruelty-free, non-habit-forming with just six natural ingredients and nothing else. You need to try them. I promise you, you'll thank me later. Go to Array.com, that's A-R-R-A-E, A-R-R-A-E.com, 
and use code lipstick at checkout. And you guys are going to get 15% off your first purchase and a free sleep mini. Ritual knows it's basically impossible to get all the nutrients you need from your diet 100% of the time. So they made a multivitamin that helps you focus on what's important, filling in key nutrient gaps to support foundational health. I've been taking Ritual's Essential for women 18 plus for a while now, and I have to say it's so important to get a multivitamin in. It just is. Sometimes we forget about them and just want to focus on the Ds or the B12, Zincs, and whatnot. What I love about this one is that it's clinically backed and super high quality. All the ingredients are clean and in bioavailable forms. So there's nine key nutrients in two capsules that you take every day. You might know Ritual for having a unique beadlet in oil capsule. So unique, in fact, it's even patented. I love the packaging. I love that they made themselves recognizable in the oversaturated marketplace. I love that the bottle is clear. The capsules are clear too. You really feel like you have a better sense of what you're taking, even if it's mental. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multivitamins that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. We're talking soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. The best finishing touch, every bottle has a minty essence to keep things fresh and definitely helps encourage me to take my multivitamin every day. It actually becomes enjoyable instead of a huge and total drag. If you're looking for a new multivitamin or just fallen off the wagon from taking your old one, make sure to give Ritual a try. Instead of striving for perfect health, aim for supporting foundational health. Great news, Ritual is offering for our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash lipstick to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 plus to your subscription today. Diving into couples, right? I mean, couple therapy. I think there's such a stigma about couple therapy. Like you really don't think people go to therapy as a couple unless it's like, oh, shit's hitting the fan. Talk to us about that. And you've heard it. You've heard people in whispers say, oh my gosh, have you ever heard the therapy? Yeah, yeah, Jack and Jill are seeing a therapist. They're, Jack and right? Jill. Ooh, I think they're they must be heading system. towards divorce. <laughs> it must be so bad. They sleep in separate bedrooms. Maybe they just don't like touching each other's feet at night, right? Yeah. Like, right. Maybe so one runs Maybe their husband one. snores. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, so many options there. Right oh, now. God. Why, tell me. Right? And so, so, one, I think we have to take a responsibility of how do we communicate and keep that stigma going? Have we also whispered underneath? I'm sure all of us are guilty of this at some point of making some type of judgment over someone else's relationship. But we want couples to go to therapy because it's really, really, really good for you because nobody taught you these skills. Nobody, there was no relationship class that you went to in high school. Yeah. You had you had algebra, but that shit really didn't matter. <laughs> but don't worry, like marriage, which is like successful relationships, the number one predictor of happiness. Don't worry, we won't spend any focus on that. <laughs> so when we go in, it is like getting a coach with anything else. I'm going to teach you skills that you do not have. Sometimes that skill is for us to communicate better. Sometimes that skill is for us to have better sex. Sometimes that skill is to figure out how to me not scream at you every holiday because I can't stand to be around your mother, right? Like whatever mm. that looks like for so many couples, that what we know is the research tells us that couples go into therapy five to seven years, years after the first time that it was mentioned. 
and over 80% of divorces are initiated by women. What do you think is the number one thing that drives couples to therapy? Like, what is the breaking point to them that they're like, we need therapy? The number one thing that really brings that when you like look at it, a concentrated thing is infidelity. But the number one thing that people report mm. is communication. I was going to say, you're, mm. you're, you're not understanding me. You're not hearing yeah. me. Yeah. It's communications, yeah. right? So like if you actually topic de- density wise, but overall it's communication. Communication. It's true. Like I even like with Stuber the other day, I was like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm at a breaking point. Like I can't take anything else on. He's like, of course, while I'm cheating my podcast, he texts and calls me. He's like, I'm doing this and then I'm doing that. I'm like, okay, but I'm working. And so this is me doing what you're doing. Like, you don't have to tell me what you're doing. Just you you do it. And well, I just want to make sure it's okay. I'm like, well, I could just do it then. <laughs> but he's trying is the point is that he heard me yep. and he's, you know, he's trying. And so we call it communication, but actually what you just said is attunement. What does that he mean? Sees Attunement is I'm in tune to you and what you need. What we hear so many from couples saying, the reason that we have all these women who are initiating divorce is because they have too much of a mental load, right? There's too much that they do while thinking, and then they have to tell their partner what to do. Attunement is looking around at our larger <laughs> system of our house. <laughs> mm, and, and writing this say, down. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, I love that both of you are taking notes. Mm. <laughs> right? Attunement is I look at our full system, our full house, our family, our kids, our shared job, whatever it is for our system we live within. And I clock it and I say, oh, you know, what would be great for Molly is if I could just take care of all this laundry, I could take care of this A, B, and C, then she could exist a little bit differently here today. And when I have attunement, not only to my partner, to my children, to my family, to my friends, whatever that might be, it allows me to communicate differently and more effectively. How many husbands do you think are attuned? The great. Really great question. We don't have statistics on yeah. this. Mm. But I mean, if you if, if eighty if I mean if over eighty percent of divorce is initiated by women, we have a pretty bad sign. Right. Oof. And obviously we're talking about heterosexual relationships here. And married heterosexual women actually have the they report the lowest amount of happiness. Married heterosexual women report the lowest amount of happiness. Wow. Do you think it's because they really feel that their needs are not being met? They're not being heard. They're not, they feel like they're, they're in an ocean by themselves and they're drowning. I think that's yes. little, that yeah. phrase exactly, exactly is one I've heard a million times. <laughs> and I, I, I think that there's this sense too, and we hear this all the time of like, women are very, once again, socialized to be relational, very in tune with, okay, this is what the family needs. This is what my husband needs. This is what, and, you know, because of that, because we have that intuition, there is less of a, a thought of, oh, I need to also tell my partner what I need, right? I need to express, they should just know. I've been with them for this long and they should be able to read my mind at this point. I say that, and I'm this like, is, you should know by now. Yes. How do you not know? We hear it all the time. And so the tough thing about this that people hate to hear is that no matter how long you've been with your partner, they don't turn into a mind reader. Yeah. Well, what what I love the difference between like men and women. I heard my husband talk about this the other day. Like, oh, what do you and Amisha do? Oh, we talked about this and no, this. Can you believe that? I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe they're getting divorced. Oh my god, she's single now. Can you? And they, like, we just unpack everything. I'm like, oh, what'd you guys? What'd you do with the boys? We're like, oh, we talked about the Packers and the Bucks and the Rams and yeah, the Bulls are doing well this year and God, fucking Dodgers suck. Like. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, how is Sandy and how is Peter? I'm like, oh, I don't know. We didn't really. 
Mm -hmm. really talk about that. I'm like, it's so different. The conversations between what men have together and what women have, like what women share. Totally. We have women coming in that say, I feel so much closer with my friends than I do with my spouse. I think that I'm supposed to be so close to my spouse. And one of those is that actually your romantic relationship is not supposed to fill all your needs. You should have a bunch of relationships in your life. Have friends, have community. Like when people say, oh, you complete me. I know. One person shouldn't complete you. (laughs) Yeah, but it's right. No, there's no, but I'm not a romantic. Like I find it so off putting if like, I I just, you're a pussy. If you're like coming up my office and like bringing flowers, like it's just, it's not my thing. It's not. It's a lot of pressure to put on someone to say you complete me. Mm. Yeah. I think that they're going to be divorced. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about it's a new year detoxing our lives. It's a perfect time to turn over a new leaf relationships. Like what are some of the tricks of detoxifying any kind of relationship you want out of your life, right? So we talk about the two of us is that, you know, she made such a good comment. The, I think four quarters. Last, the four, tell I'd rather you. have four quarters than a hundred pennies in friends. Mm-hmm. And I can't yeah. take credit for it. Tori Bolger, that was your quote. It's, but we were talking, we went on a walk one day and we were talking about friends and making friends in your forties. And it's such an eloquent way of saying it. Cause it's very easy to very quickly be like, Oh my God, I met like this person, this person, this person. And then you feel like you've made all these new friends, but like really truly who are your friends? And when you go through something in life, whatever it is, your community shows up. And that's kind of when you can really sift through, Oh, I have all these pennies but it's really the quarters that count. And I'd rather have those four quarters than a hundred pennies. So, and depositing in the bank, like I said to a friend of mine, it was like our 10 year anniversary. And I, and she was like, well, wedding anniversary, just, wedding, with a friend, wedding with, yeah. anniversary. And she's like, Oh, I was, re- I was really sad not to be invited. I was like, really? You, you ex-? And I don't know what gave me the balls to be, I was like, you expected to be invited. I was like, I haven't talked. My husband, and I haven't talked to you in a year. Like, you know, I was like, no offense, but you got to kind of, call me or check on us or deposit something in the bank. Right. And it was such an odd. And she was like, yeah, I guess. And I don't think she'd realized that, you know, it's an interesting thing, right? These ideas of relationships and how do we gauge what is really serving and what is not serving me, right? It's a new year. What if you were to look at your whole life? And I don't even just mean relationships, right? What's the stuff I want to get rid of? If I'm going to Marie Kondo my life, I'm going to Marie Kondo my my social media, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to say, what actually gives me joy and what am I going to release here? And you can use that with relationships. You can do that with things within your home. But what is the purpose and what do the relationships do for you? We talked before that one person shouldn't fill every role in your life. And we're going to have girlfriends that are really fun to party with. And some people that are really good for when you're crying and need supports. And there's all these different things. But if it feels like I leave relationships and interactions with them depleted or anxious or resentful, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not the person. Sometimes it's the way we feel that there's tension. There's things unsaid. There's something that triggers something within me, right? And what's it really doing for me to be in a relationship with this person? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to take a moment or you have to step back and things will figure itself out. But something feels un and it's like, oh, that yucky feeling of like, oh, I feel like I do everything wrong or I'm I'm not making that person happy. That's where sometimes I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like whatever I'm doing isn't enough. You know, and we t- we talked about this earlier too that there there might have been a point in time where that friendship worked for you, 
where it really it was serving you. Maybe it was depositing more coins into your bank account, but is no longer serving you in the same way. And so the thing that we always talk about too is that when you break up with a romantic relationship, right? You have a breakup. You sit down, you know, it, it's it's contra- it's contractual in a way where you say like, hey, this is our relationship. You have a sit down conversation. This is no longer working for the both of us or no longer working for me. And so we're going to break up. With friendships, it feels very different, right? Mm-hmm. That there, there's not as much of this contract of, well, my life has changed a little bit. So our means of communication is probably going to change a little bit. And so there's all of these things that aren't said in our friendships because it doesn't feel like there's this contract. That's such an interesting point. And I think it's so true because I do think that sometimes we also outgrow friendships. And I think that's something we don't talk about, right? You have your friendships that you maybe had in your 20s and they were the fun people you partied with and you had a great time, but maybe they are in a different phase of their life. And then you have your friends in your 30s and you make your mom friends. And, you know, it's, it is interesting. I think that we kind of, as we evolve as people and we change, like I know I've changed so much, you know, in my 40s than I was even in my early 30s. Like I'm so different, not in a good way or bad way. It's just I've just evolved. You know, I've gone through a lot of things in my life. And even in the last year, I know I've changed. And there are people I just don't want to be around. And, and that's just the truth. And, and I can tell you that has changed in the last six months. And, and, and truly, and I don't mean that in an awful way, but my priorities have shifted and and I look at people in a very different way. And and that is, I think, in some ways, like to your point, it's a very awkward thing, right? Because they didn't get the memo. Yeah. <laughs> so they're right. like, right. yo, why are you not texting me back? And it's like, oh, I don't really want to talk to you, but okay, cool. Like I kind of have to respond, I guess. But like, eh, like you're not like you're not my homie so much anymore. Right. Like, I think that's where it gets interesting because you're right. It's a very different dynamic. It's not, you don't sit down and go, well, I don't really like you anymore as a friend. Yeah. Because yes. you'd be so offended. I'd right. be offended. And I'd be like, fuck you. Of course. <laughs> Everyone talks about ghosting in romantic relationships. We see ghosting happen a million times more in friendships. Totally. Totally. All the time. It's because it's so uncomfortable and no one, it's normal to break up with a romantic partner, but nobody taught us how to have a conscious uncoupling of a friendship And it's really hard to do. And I also think it goes to I'm you're better at this, but like I am really bad at setting boundaries. Right. I'm really I have difficulty like, don't worry, I'll just do that. I'll help you do that. Oh, yeah. In work, I in 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 friendships, I really have a hard time setting boundaries. And so I see it kind of comes back to bite me in the ass when it's like, it's a friendship. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, let's take it back a second. Like we've, we've crossed the, it's, it's too much. And I, I, and that's also like, that's my fault too. Like Mm -hmm. I, it's not just the other person where, I don't know, I feel a little bit not taken advantage of, but, or used, but I'm like, oh, like, I'm not the cruise director anymore. And like, I'm going through my own things, but yet I've kind of had to set these little bit of boundaries and it's, would you say they're toxic friendships, I guess, is that the word you would use? Well, I guess that, yeah, we would call it as I know Instagram loves the phrase toxic and we always go back and forth about like how we feel about this. But for the point of this episode, we'll use the word toxic. Here's what I think. I'm going to call it unhelpful and non-growing relationships, dead energy relationships, right? 
there, this is not reciprocal between the two of us. I give way more than I receive. I don't leave feeling replenished and mm-hmm. filled. Mm-hmm. And I love that you, one, Molly, are acknowledging like part of this is your role as cruise director. And as a cruise director, you're not supposed to tell people no. You're supposed to take care of everyone all of the time. And so for you to sit here and say, I'm going to need to come up with a script of myself, a script that I even can have in the notes thing of your phone that you copy and paste, where you say to people, the cruise director is taking the weekend off. I love you and I will revisit you all next week. And that's what copy and pasted to people in your life, whatever feels right for you. And sometimes it is so hard to do, but the problem where it becomes toxic is that people don't respect those boundaries. And one of the biggest myths with boundaries is that we have to set them one time. The thing about setting boundaries that makes it so hard is that we're going to have to set them over, over and over and over and, over. Yeah. and that feels horrible especially when you're so you uncomfortable set the boundaries and then they become passive aggressive and it's like yes. then they're mad and upset at you and then it like and then they but they don't want to admit it and talk about it and i've i've had yes. this yes. happen a couple of times in my life i had it happen in my early 30s where it just we ended up like just going our separate ways and ultimately weren't friends anymore but i don't know i I just, I find myself every now and then getting into the, it's just too, too much. Yeah. And then I pull back and they get mad. Yeah. And those, well, those relationships are built during a time in which your boundaries are more loose, right? And so they're so Mm -hmm. used to you being there, being open whenever, whenever they want to talk to you, however long they want to talk to you, they keep you on the phone for hours, right? And so when you start setting those boundaries and they're so used to your boundaries, not being stronger that it feels personal to them. Mm-hmm. And when we have when our when our boundaries are looser, the people who need more are going to come closer to you. I know it's going to sound weird, but like I started to lie about like, oh no, no he's not doing that. He's just doing his homework, but like he's not. Like he went to another friend's house because I don't want to hurt the person or you know what I mean? But yeah. ultimately, I have to do what's kind of better for my family. You know, I've had to set boundaries. You're talking to also about how much discomfort there is with people being mad at us, right? So you go into this thing of like, well, they're mad or they're upsetting me. And what's it like to sit and say, okay, so I guess someone's going to be really mad at me. I guess that you're mad at me and this is going to be tough and I'm going to feel uncomfortable. For us specifically as women to detach from the idea of being nice. Because being nice doesn't actually serve us. Being kind is always important. Mm -hmm. But being nice is pleasing other people. But there's that saying, and this is something that, you know, Molly and I say all the time, don't mistake my kindness for weakness, which a lot of people often do. A lot of people do that. And it's like, don't, don't, don't mistake it. Like, Like, don't take advantage of it. I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Just because I'm nice doesn't make me an idiot. Like we looked Mm -hmm. up on the way here, we looked up the word duplicitous. And and I was like, that just seems like a little duplicitous. And she's like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know what that word is. Sorry. (laughs) The the point about it is, it's like, again, don't mistake our kindness. Lee Kilton Smith gave me that, my acting coach. She's like, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Don't don't walk all over me. But the one thing, even, you know, we we have six children between us and a mom was talking about, she's like, you know, you don't want to be the helicopter mom. I'm like, no. I go, but I am the advocating mom. And I said, you know, I think there's a really good juxtaposition between are you helicoptering or are you advocating? My big boy is now in fourth grade and maybe I don't helicopter as much as I did because I like to be in control and 
pretty sure everybody's figured that out by now. But I will always advocate for him to try to set him up for success because it's hard even as adults to weave and bob and figure it out. Like, what does he need? It's not an easy road, you know, but kindness always lead with, which I agree. That actually really is something I wanted to talk to you guys about. And I think this is front of mind with a lot of moms. And I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are. It's come up with a lot of my mom friends, specifically ones who have daughters in middle school. The mean girl thing. It's like a very, very, very real thing. And I and, you know, I've started to read a lot about it. I actually read an article that a friend forwarded to me recently, and I and it really talked about how this mean girl phenomenon in middle school actually stems from the moms at home. They're hearing this in their households. They're seeing it with the moms play out within their mom's own friend groups. So what is happening with these girls in middle school and the bullying that's happening and all of this stuff that is hurting these girls? I mean, you 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 hear... There was an article I read, sadly, you know, a couple of weeks ago where a girl committed suicide. And and it really is. She she was a beautiful girl in Florida, played hockey, athletic, gorgeous. And these girls were like, we hope we never see you again. And and I think that there's an aspect of therapy. And I think there's tools that that parents and, and I would say mothers mo- mostly, because I think the burden is on our shoulders in these situations need to be given because I think it is going to just get worse because I think social media, I think the access these kids have in communicating with one another is so different than it used to be. So I I would love to know what you guys are, you know, how you guys are, what tools you're giving to parents and what your thoughts are on this. Because I do think it's, it's, to me, it's front of mind as my daughter's eight and not close to middle school, but it'll be here before I know it. And I want to know what to do. We, we talk a lot about this kind of intergenerational transmission process that happens where that middle schooler's mom also learned that from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that we don't realize that when, you know, that's when your child is building their model of relationships, their brain is forming. And so when they are building their model of like, how do I connect to people? How do I form relationships? And they're seeing this model of, oh, this is how mom forms relationships, or this is how she talks to her other friends about this other girl. And this is how she's connecting with this woman, right? So as their brains are forming and they're forming their idea, this is what a relationship looks like. They can take that on. So it's very possible mom doesn't have the sense of this is how it's playing out in my parenting and also how their parents have affected their own model of relationships and their own model of bonding. One of the most significant things we can do as parents is to work on our own shit mm-hmm. because my kid is watching absolutely everything I do. Yeah. And the other important thing that we have to do is when we start to see an indicator, because we have to understand also sometimes kids start excluding and isolating others as a way of staying safe themselves. I won't get kicked out of the group if I kick Susie out, right? And so part of it is, is my child ending up in a situation because they are anxious and fearful about what's going to happen to them if they don't participate? That's survival. And sometimes that's middle school, right? Like we do not have a good sense of self. Our brain is not fully developed. We have very little emotional regulation. And so values-based work with your kids. What are your values? What's your child's values? And what's the point of becoming a parent and doing all this? For some of us, 
the point of becoming a parent, this is what we call parental scripting. Why did I do this? Why, what's the point of any of the stuff I do, right? If the point of being a parent is to raise good functioning humans in society, it also means I have to tell my child if they're participating in something harmful. You should be involved in your kid's life. I'm not saying you have to helicopter, but yeah, you should know if there's something going on. You got to call your kid out on it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's weird. I don't know why parents don't. They, don't. they don't do it. I've seen it over and over. I mean, we are out. Brooke Stuber, we are going home. Like it is, yeah. this is, there is a consequence for your action. And mm-hmm. it's, I follow through. I heard a great story about kids not telling the truth, right? So we're always with Gray, who's five. She has Lily, who's three. Grace, who's just turned six a few weeks ago. Actually, Maeve is eight, eight. Scarlet seven, and, and Brooks is 10. So we told them this story about a, about a couple of kids who were not really telling the truth, kind of lying, but kind of the going back to the, the boy who cried wolf, right? So the mom was like, guys, get up. Let's go. We're going to Disneyland. They live in California, go to Florida to Disney World, right? They were like, no, we're going, we're flying, whatever. Pack the bags, get ready, go to the airport. They're going into the airport. She's like, she literally takes the loop of the airport and starts to go back home. She's like, I was lying. I wasn't just, I was just kind of fibbing, like not really. Just so you know, I know that was a very strong, like (laughs) she was like, kids never lie, kids never fib because they... There was a consequence. I was like, oh, I was just joking. I was just lying. I was just, and you're like, these, they're looking at me horrified right now. <laughs> but it was an interesting way, the boy who cried wolf to finally like, mm-hmm. no, you, you, there, there is a consequence. And I think to this point of the mom was like, I just need to show like something yeah. bad could be happening and someone won't believe you. And there is a consequence for that. And children can't always see. It's what you said about being a mean girl or wanting to be accepted. Like, I'll just go along in the group, even though I don't agree with it because I don't have enough confidence as a child to be like, whoa, I want to step away from this. Um, I mean, I know that's what we're we're constantly with Maeve and, and Brooks trying to give them enough confidence because- you know, they can go high and Brooks can go low. We can go low. Yeah. So it's like, what, what is it? Like my, my, my big boy has a, has an issue kind of like his mother. He likes to please people. So he'll lead with, I'm sorry. He'll lead the conversation with, I'm sorry. Right. His teacher who was so awesome. He was like, thought he was giving us a compliment about Brooks. And he said, you know, Brooks, love him. He's such a mensch. And I was like, oh, so sweet. He was like, yeah, he apologized for all, everyone, for the boys, even though we know he didn't do it. And we kind of talked to the teacher. We're like, well, actually, like, let's not praise that behavior for Brooks because he didn't have anything to do it, but yet he's apologizing for something he didn't do. So it's it's all about like building them up and making them not succumbing to that peer pressure, not succumbing to being that mean girl. But I also think it's responsibility of the parents because I do think, like I was actually talking to a mom the other day and I I felt heartbroken for her. She was at my kitchen counter and she was talking about her middle school daughter and her younger daughter is my daughter's friend. And she lost one of her best friends because their older daughters were friends. And she was telling me, she goes, 
her daughter was awful to my child. And she goes, I called her out on it. And she was like, I just, I can't get involved. And it's like, if my child is treating another child poorly, you bet your fucking ass, and I'm sorry I'm cursing, but you bet your ass I will, I'll put her in her place. And I say to Maeve all the time, Maeve is my oldest, I say, you treat people how you want to be treated. And you remember that. And you always go and you live your life with that knowledge because one day you'll be on the receiving end of it and it's going to really sting. And you need to know that. And for me, I think that there are parents, to your point, like that are like, eh, I'm not going to get involved. And that's where it's appalling to me. Your appalling. kids also have to know that you have their back. Totally. Right? Yes. Like you have, like that was the one amazing thing about my mom. I could fucking tell her anything. She wouldn't tell her friend, her best friend, my dad. Like she yeah. was a fucking vault. And wow. I knew yeah. it. And I knew that no matter what happened, at the end of the day, I could tell her, and it might not be pretty, the outcome, but she would keep it to herself and help me get through it. Now, again, there were consequences, but she made me feel safe. But she, to your point, she was involved. If your kid is treating some of their kids poorly, I even said that because I like kind of got on gray for something. He bit a child and... At first, I was like, well, that's that's a little odd. I was like, he's never bitten anybody. But anyway, they put him in a three-hole, like, strangle. And, of course, he bit to get out of it. But I was really hard on him. And none of the only the one dad said that. And one of my friends, the mom was like, I'm like, well, aren't you going to own it? Aren't you going to say any? I'm like, it's fucking parenting 101. Your kid told my kid to put him in a lock hole. Like, again, to your point, I don't want to get involved. Yeah. So you're talking about two things that I think are really significant. So one is natural consequences. The other one is a version of boundaries. So the natural consequence that if I am really mean to someone, they could hurt themselves. It could genuinely affect them for years. A natural consequence, right? If I lie to someone and continue to lie, there could be actual result that happens that you're in harm's way, that I'm unable to find you, right? Like there's actual natural consequences that we have to help people understand. If I say yes to every single person in my life, I'm going to end up completely burnt out. That's a natural consequence, right? So one, children have to understand natural consequences. That is our job as parents. Natural our consequences. Job as parents. I like that. That's it, right? The other thing you are talking about is boundaries. The boundary I'm setting as a parent. And the way we describe this is hard in the inside, soft in the outside. I'm going to be gentle the way I'm talking about this, but I'm going to stand my sacred ground. I'm going to stand in my center and say no. I understand that you're really upset that you can't hang out with Jillian anymore. And you are being too mean to other people when you both do that together. Soften the outside, be generous in my language, and harden the inside of my boundary that this is what we do. Well, you see it. I mean, I can see, I mean, Scarlett is seven and I, you know, three girls together on a sleepover, forget it. Two girls, great. Four, awesome. Six, fantastic. The odd numbers, like every odd number in school is harder Totally. It's like, it, it, it's harder. Three girls are yeah. fucking bitches. They're yeah. just yeah. mean together. Don't you agree, Elizabeth? Yeah. My producer's like, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have so much triangulation. So what yeah. happens when I have three, that odd number is we say that like, basically that allows it that like, if if I have some tension with me and Kathy, I'm going to go to Jen. I'm going to say, God, Kathy is such a B, right? Like, and I'm going to, as opposed to addressing it directly with my third companion, I'm going to release my tension by venting to Jen. Mm. 
that is not helpful because I still have an issue with Kathy. I've now created it. It may have brought me a little close. Exactly. Right. So when you hear triangulation going on within your children, say to them, I know you're really upset about Kathy. And still, I think you need to go to Kathy and talk to her about it directly. And the triangulation ends up being how they learn to connect with other people. It's true. I love that. I've never even, I've never even thought about that. You know? And I think it's important to teach kids to communicate. I mean, that's like the one thing. I saw something, and I think I shared it actually on my Instagram, because the one thing that we I would do is I pick my kids up from school, and I, they get in the car, and I go, how was your day? And they're like, fine. And it was something that I had seen, and it was all these different questions to ask instead of that, right? Because they say that the best time to talk to your kids is in the car because there's no eye contact. So they like to then, that's when you'll get the most out of them. And- it's, you know, the questions were like, who did you sit with at, at lunch today? You know, what did you learn today? Who made you laugh? Like really kind of not questions that are, how was your day? They were a little deeper. Good. And good. yeah, good. It was, good. you'd get nothing. And it how was, was recess. Good. Yeah. How was science? Good. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Fine. But I'm Fine. telling you, like you ask the question, who made you laugh? You get a story. I would get a story about you know, oh, Mateus made me laugh today. He just did this goofy thing in gym today. Or, you know, what did you learn today? Did you learn something new? What challenged you? And it's it's really interesting. Like in that like five-minute car ride home, I'll learn something that I wouldn't have learned had, had I just simply asked, how was your day? So this, so can I tie it into what we started the episode about? Because actually I want you to take that and I want you to end your day with that. You talked about how do I know what I need? How do I get in touch with myself? What if you were to start asking yourself those questions? What refilled me the most today? What made me laugh today? What was the most exciting mm-hmm, part of the I day? What was the part? That, what if the way that we tried to get to know our children better, we also did with us? Mm, I love that. Can you guys come on the podcast every week? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just, yes. But yes. no one else listening. Would, and no one else on. listening. That is called totally. a therapy yes. session. Yeah. Yes. Cool. And it cool. wouldn't, it wouldn't be, we wouldn't be therapists if we didn't bring it full circle. Yeah. <laughs> That's our job. <laughs> it is a beauty podcast. We have to do a little bit of rapid fire. Favorite thing about being a therapist? Humans. Human beings. Every Connection. Yeah. People, uh, it's amazing how resilient people are. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. We talked about that the other day. Yeah. Resilience. Sometimes bad things happen and it's just a moment. It's three months, yes. six months, nine months. It's just a moment. It's just a moment in time. Mm-hmm. Favorite thing about working together? We have great balance. Yeah. We I balance can see that. each other out I see that. Yes. We're vi- we're Let me ask you guys a question. Opposites. Is it hard yeah. for you both to set boundaries? We've gotten much better at it. But yes. We, Ten years we, ago, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And we own a business. We're workaholics. We do. We take on a lot. So everything that you were saying about I do this and I do this very much resonates with us. Your go-to cocktail. Ooh. Oh, God. It's going to be so boring. Me too. It's like, a vodka like Prosecco. Soda. Oh, is that a cocktail? No. Oh, no, no. Vodka soda. I'm yeah. Plastic. Dirty martini. There we go. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> Biggest Easy. vice? Oh, God. Reality TV. Weed. Biggest pet peeve. Oh, oh, bullshit. When people walk too slow on the street. <laughs> oh, I, or drive slow. Or drive slow. Or drive slow. I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm like walking real fast. Elizabeth experienced this yesterday. I was like, Elizabeth, can you like change lanes? Let's move. Yeah. <laughs> Top three products in your morning routine. Laura Jones Acid Mantle Repair Cream is my favorite thing in the whole world. Does Laura coffee Jones. count? <laughs> Top three products in your nighttime routine. 
melatonin. <laughs> just like uppers and downers. <laughs> <laughs> melatonin, <laughs> weed, and a dirty martini. Right, there it is. <laughs> I, said, I would say my vibrator or my husband. Yeah, um, it is. Are we being honest or are we lying here? Yeah. We're being honest. Yeah. Can you ask your question? Can you tell when a client is lying? Sometimes. Sometimes. But you know what we always say? It's not about the fact that they're lying. We are, we're more interested in what they're bringing in and like why they're, they're yeah. everything is information. So even if they're lying, there's a reason behind yeah. it and we get into it. So we just assume you will lie in therapy. It's going to happen. It's usually really easy to tell when uh, someone's lying about infidelity in a couple. Yeah. When couples, <laughs> it's, it's really easy when you see that couples are yeah. someone's lying or someone's disengaged. That uh-huh. is very easy to see. Yeah. One beauty product you can't live without. <gasps> I don't know if I'm going to get hate for this, but I love my Dyson Airwrap. I love um, mine. I'm obsessed it. with the Dyson Airwrap. Me too. Same. Um, same, same. Uh, I would say my big thing is I'm high maintenance to be low maintenance. So microblading, eyelashes, curls. I believe in high maintenance to be low maintenance. I love that. I, I love have that. never heard <laughs> that. That's good. We always yeah. ask every guest before we go, if you could give advice to your 10-year-old self what would it be? Emily, I'm going to start with you first. Don't ever go on a diet. It's never <laughs> going to make you, ne- it's never going to make you happy. You will chase weight loss yep. for too long and it's going to get you to a bad place. I- yep. Jennifer? Mine would be that your feelings are valid and you're not too sensitive. Your sensitivity is your superpower. You guys are amazing. You guys are so great. I mean, honestly. literally, you guys can find them at the Shrink Chicks or the therapy GRP. You guys, thank you for I, everything. Jennifer and Emily, thank you so much because, you know, I I do think therapy should not be a dirty word. It has mm-hmm. literally at certain points in my life been such a savior. And you guys are destigmatizing it and you're making it more accessible. And I think that mm-hmm. is incredible. So congratulations. We to love you guys. it. We'll see Thank you next you. week. Yeah. Yes, we'll soon. be here. <laughs> On your calendar, 11 o'clock. Just remember, I'm Pacific. She's East Coast. <laughs> All right. Thank you All guys right. so Thank much. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. We'll see one. you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims and my ride or die, Amisha Gormley. We are always so excited to bring you guys along on this journey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at Lipstick on the Rim or my website where we just dive a little bit deeper into my favorite products, trends, and much, much more on mollysims.com. This podcast is a production with Dear Media. A special thanks to my team, Elizabeth Tawfield, Schaefer Carrillo, Ken Ryan, and Anna Sessions and everyone at Dear Media. Don't forget to listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss out on the fun. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.